Okay, we're with the four great vows. <clears throat> Sentient beings are numberless. We vow to save them all. So we've really worked through that. I think uh, wonderful questions, wonderful discussion yesterday. What's up today is delusions. Delusions are endless. We vow to cut through them all. Again, what appears to be an impossible project, something you know beyond our human capability. We're just sort of, uh, I think we've, for the most part, accepted that <laughs> There is suffering and uh, delusion is a big chunk of it. So, um, and delusions are endless, you know, really. So how to cut through them all? It's definitely in the realm of thinking, delusion in the realm of thinking. Thinking is ongoing delusion coming up again and again. So we cut again and again, returning to just now, again and again. We're going to spend eight days doing that. And uh, it's an ongoing project, definitely something we can all relate to as an experience. And I think over time we develop confidence that regardless of the, you could say, uh, content of our delusions, coming back to just now is, we could say, cutting it, freeing ourselves, liberating it. There is the illusion of time, you know, past and future mind, when all the time we can only ever be here, now. This is where life occurs, here and now. But there is this illusion of time. And that sense of anticipation and memory that is so much the you could say the content of our delusive thinking. But in this very moment of presence, which everyone here is experiencing right now, this is a moment of presence. You hear my voice, you know, you see all of us there in the, in the group view, Maybe you're experiencing the room that you're in and you're experiencing your thoughts coming and going. But in this very moment of presence, presence itself, there's no future or past huh? in the essence of it. Huh? So the gateway that cuts all our delusions is returning to just now. 
What do you see now? What do you hear now? What do you feel now? It's so accessible, so available. And we might even say so simple, maybe too simple for us to believe it, too simple to believe, too intimate for us to actually notice it's ongoing. Continually drawn into anticipation, uh, wishing for something different in the future, something moving ahead. While we neglect where we actually do have influence right here in this moment, with our state of mind, with our state of being. Delusions are incapacitating. They paralyze us. They're the content of our suffering. You could say the flavor of our suffering. Uh, these delusions of uh, the me project, for instance. Delusions which are endless is our experience of the me project. I talk about the me project, I've coined that term. That is the ongoing protection and promotion of our separate self. You know, the Jeff project, the Sean project, it's quite a project. And it is indeed an endless project. This is where we say delusions are endless. We vow to cut through them all. That is the endlessness of it. You could say our uh, endless delusion is fueled by our strong sense of me, strong sense of self, of our identity, our place in the world, our competitive edge, our regrets, our, you know, the I, my, me mind, that uh, continual, we could call it our great question. It's not our great question, what is this? Our great question is, what about me? Right? Can you relate? What about me? Almost brings a tear to my eye. What about me? What about me? I'm over here. Doesn't anybody care? Anyone notice what I'm doing? Who I am? What about me? It's very demanding. An endless project. So promoting and protecting our imagined self is the activity of delusion. This is what delusion accomplishes. This is what delusion is involved in. As if it were um, almost like an entity, some kind of demon haunting us. Promoting and protecting our imagined self. That activity is ongoing. And so, again, what is there that cuts delusion? 
what is it that cuts delusion, cuts delusion itself, lost in our thinking, lost in thought, really caught up? What is there that cuts? Clarity. I call it clarity. Wakefulness. A moment of, of noticing the world we're in, the thoughts we're having, clarity. And it is the undeniable clarity of moment world, we call moment world. The, the world we actually occupy without noticing. It's so easy to lose track of the simplicity and the intimacy of being right here, right now, again and again. So being lost in thought is delusion and it's endless. I'm sure that we can all agree that's our experience. <laughs> it's going, something keeps fueling it. Resting in don't know is presence just now. And this cuts delusion immediately. So our, our don't know mind, our don't know practice, what's being pointed to, Master Sung San said, only go straight, don't know. Hmm? Remain in that, remain in that curiosity. What is this? What am I? Remain in that surprise of noticing just this, noticing presence, noticing where we are, noticing our life experience, not so much noticing or obsessed with who we are, hmm? who we are. So many of the uh, therapy clients I have are lost in who am I, but not in the Zen way. It's like something is missing. Who am I? No one's noticing. It's that sense of neglect or isolation. But resting in don't know is, is presence. Don't know if it does soothe our usual cadence of thinking and thinking, right? We say don't know is presence, we're, we're present because we're not lost in thought. We've cut thought, we've welcomed not knowing, we've made friends with not knowing, not trying to figure it out. And we experience presence. We experience all that we're, that's, you know, appearing to us, everything, the display of awareness. So this, this cut, this presence, this cut is not a thought process, important. This cut is not a thought process. 
don't know is not an understanding or a perspective. Hmm? Don't know is the experience of before thinking. Don't know is the experience of before thinking. Direct experience. It may, it may only be momentary. It may be something we only glimpse now and then. But it is the experience of before thinking, which is the experience of the intelligence prior to thought. Hmm? Wrap your head around that. The intelligence prior to thought, our capacity, our beingness in the world, in our life, that intelligence prior to thought, the access to it, don't know, don't know. It's a direct experience, an experience that cuts delusion. So I hope that you get the sense of what we're all blessed with, you might say. We have the gifts of getting to the other side of lost in delusion. Delusions are endless. We vow to cut through them all. That in fact, there is a capability that we have, every one of us. We don't have to be masterful you know, Zen practitioners or a Zen master or anything, you know, with, uh, you might say, sort of um, credentials. We don't need credentials to lean into don't know and make friends with don't know, allow don't know, and live in the incredible mystery with curiosity and fascination. What is this? So I'd love to hear your questions. They're so rich. Um, whoever feels moved, challenge me. <laughs> yeah, Claire. Um, having been a member of the Golden Wind uh, Sangha for uh, some years, we did not say delusions, we said passions. Uh -huh. Passions are endless. We vow to extinguish them all. Same or different? Feels a little different, feels a little different because that word passion, there's an, you might say, an energy to it, uh, a drivenness. Say it again, Clara. What is the what is the vow? Passions are endless. Endless. We vow to extinguish them all. Extinguish them all. Extinguish them. Um, it it feels like putting a damper on my experience. Now you know I'm completely out of school here, and uh, I I very much respect Zen Master Jibong and his you know, description of that particular uh, fourth noble, or not noble truth, great vow. But it does, it does, to be honest, honestly, it does feel different to me. 
delusions sort of delusions are somehow manageable. I mean, there is this possibility of of resting and not knowing, or even coming becoming present in the moment, and that's an experience that I've actually had, you know, now and then. It's it's not that unusual uh, to escape from passions might be a bit more, it might require more discipline. <laughs> Maybe well, I'm just lazy. <laughs> I, I have to say, uh, I agree, uh, uh, Jeff uh, Pope's name. Um, I, I think it, it's a different thing. Passions are more like attachments, whereas delusions are like misconceptions. Um, believing that you know things that you don't know. Like that's a different thing to be cutting through or extinguishing or in, in, in some way um, learning to recognize and get beyond. Passions is definitely a lot more like attachments, which is a, like another dimension. And it's equally important, but a different dimension within our, our practice. It, it would seem to me anyway. Delusions are also an attachment because you're attaching to thinking that something is real and that you're, you're going to get it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's abiding and always there and will give you <laughs> what you are missing. Yeah, there seems to be some, some feeling. Anyone else on, you know, passions and delusions? Like, what, what distinction do you feel? And this uh, is to take apart with what Golden Wind is, is presenting at all. Boy, I really appreciate, Claire, you, you sharing it. You know, certainly the mind of same and different just goes boosh, but I find it a really rich uh, consideration for sure. Um, you know, I've always found it surprised that on a lot of job descriptions, it says they want passionate people, but I'm pretty sure they don't want that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they don't want my passion. <laughs> but I, okay, I think I know what they want. <laughs> um, so I find it definitely a, a good teaching. Yeah, sometimes I can become carried away and attached to my passions. I mean, I, that's almost what they are by definition, I suppose. I think that's pretty much what I understood. I asked uh, Ann Popes and Ann Popes what the difference was because like Claire, uh, after I experienced uh, Blue Heron and then went back to Golden Wind and every time we come to the second chant, the second vow, I'd, I'd get the wrong words in. <laughs> but um, I said, so what? That, are you telling me not to be passionate about something? Um, look at Jibong, he loves music. He's just really passionate about it. So what? Uh, what's the deal? And she said, pretty much what Sean hinted at with carried away. Yeah, you still you still like music, but that passion doesn't control you. You can step back from it. You can experience with experience it with emptiness. And. Uh, because I was having trouble with it myself. Uh, what I'm not supposed to care about anything, or you know, so I'm 
I'm watching, I'm binging on Netflix. Am I supposed to watch like this show? I'm lost and lost. I mean, you know, so, but that was the idea that it's not controlling you. You see through it. And for the moment, if you can, you know, cut through the emptiness into the emptiness a little bit, form, form is not emptiness. Emptiness is not form. Form is emptiness. Form, emptiness is form. It's just all there. And uh, to experience it that way, because there's no doubt that Jibong loves music. Well, and this, this vow, it's a very, very worthy discipline, no question, and would certainly forward our, our wakefulness, not being driven. I, I definitely like the idea of having such a vow, but I don't want it in place of delusions or endless. <laughs> okay. Anything else? How about that possibility of, of cutting through delusion? This notion of, uh, of cutting again and again. Do you know our thinking is ongoing uh, again and again? It comes, it carries us away. And again and again, we, we uh, cut or attempt to cut. Um, so, you know, one, one experience I've had meditation is my you know as an engineer you have a certain I have a certain confidence in knowing right and in my experience certainly with with directly with practice is you know I had an experience where I went oh wow there's a lot of delusion and I don't know where the end of my delusion is and certainly that uh, vow implies there's not an end and then um uh, you know, then I feel foolish and um, uh, like I don't have any good ideas. Where do we get confidence? That's a good question. Confidence. Confidence, I would say, you know, comes from actually experiencing a well. I hesitate to call it a success, but something that works for us, something that actually is effective, something that in, in some sense, uh, yeah, is a solution, that confidence. Also, you know, we develop confidence just in our sitting practice that we sit again and again and again, facing whatever delusion, whatever thoughts are coming. Uh, there's something about it that over time, we stay with it, we develop confidence. The experience itself generates confidence. We're willing to go at it again and again. So, the confidence that would come from cutting through delusion, uh, very useful. Show me how. I just, you know, I'll try it. And if it works, I'll feel confidence in it. Pope Sanim, um, related to this is I've, I'm always surprised when I am lost in thought, when all of a sudden uh, I come back to 
the present moment and my sense sensory experiences and that sort of thing. Cause I'm not intending to come back. I'm lost in thought. And then all of a sudden uh, I'm aware that I'm breathing again. Um, and how, how does, how does that relate to what you were talking about? So uh, when you're lost in thought, it's not like there'll be a, a thinking a thinking moment of recognizing I'm lost in thought. There's, it's interesting how that occurs. Uh, there's something in the background. There's sort of the base of our capacity to experience, the base of it, awareness itself, that we lose track of. It's ongoing and you could say unending and effortless. It is the the core of all our sensory experience. So we're lost in thought. We're going down the track, down the track. We can actually, speaking of confidence, we can have confidence that at some point, something in us will notice lost again, gone again, or whatever. You know, I was, I was sitting, I was practicing, or, you know, I was washing the dishes, and then I've been off into thinking about my, you know, my schoolwork. So it's, um, it's built in that although we can get lost in delusion, we will, we will wake from it naturally. We'll notice we're lost. We'll notice that we're, you know, down the, you know, the, the, the train of thought, doing down that uh, sort of endless pathway. Um, how clear that moment of noticing is, I think depends on how, uh, you might say, how well-trained we are, how attentive we are to notice that. But it comes by itself. It comes by itself. Um, I noticed that um, there's two kind. well, for me, just there's a certain, there's a, when you talk about cutting through, um, closest experience that I could recall is when I'm actually able, when I cut through, it's almost like um, passing through a barrier and looking back to what I was in. So recognizing what kind of delusion I was in and that recognition feels for me like cutting through instead of simply cutting, which for my, my mind, when I cut is like, cut, destroy, you know, get away from me versus simply passing through and oh my gosh, that's what it was. Yeah. That, I think for me, it's like, oh, that was one of the higher clarity cases. Now, other times I'm so like, oh my gosh, I don't know what, what was I thinking? And I don't turn around and I don't get the sense of like what I was just in. So that's sort of like only, I feel like that's not quite cutting through. Like when I'm fully recognizing, oh my God, that was my delusion. Jeez, that is... <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get to. Um, well, trying, but yeah. yeah, the 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 action, the activity. That word "cut" is a little bit dicey um, because it it's an experience of cut because suddenly suddenly delusion is not there just for a moment. Maybe delusions are endless. How do we cut through them? We return to this moment intentionally or or we're sort of just thrown back into uh, 
presence, awareness, uh, even briefly. So uh, I think what you're describing, your own experience of this cut is not so dramatic, but there is release. We could say release. How do we release them all? Delusions are endless. How do we release them all? Something, something of that spirit. Okay, are we all clear? I think it seems to be. No, this is. See, this, this particular vow. It really, it really addresses the you know the working ground of our practice. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, delusions are endless. This is what we're coping with. And, I had a question, actually, if we have a moment. Okay. Uh, bear with me while I try to formulate it, but essentially, you know, in this field of perception, um, sometimes clarity comes in the form of just recognizing that there is a delusion and maybe you don't experience the full clarity of the moment, like what needs to be done or, you know, the best way that you can be of service to the situation. But in some cases you just acknowledge like, oh, there's this thing that's in the way that's keeping me from doing what I could do or um, just noticing that there's something holding you back. And I guess um, clarity, kind of varies from moment to moment, like based on your own personal um, state of mind or a place that you're in, whether you're in like a new experience or something like the availability of clarity that you have access to kind of like waxes and wanes throughout your experience. And so I was just wondering if you could maybe speak to that and speak to how your own clarity through practice has developed over time. Like as a practitioner, you know, like that had been practicing for several years to someone that's like been practicing for many years. Like what's your experience of having access to different levels of clarity in your life? Well, I think you begin with a certain degree of clarity. Clarity is it's not a, a magic formula. It's actually, you could say the flavor of our, our wakefulness, clarity, is it clear or not? Uh, definitely, you know, if we're, if we've been drinking, you know, or in some way, or if we've been like incredibly overeating and we're just stuffed and we're sort of like uh, almost falling asleep from the, the impact of being, uh, you know, overstimulating our digestion. All of those things, the state of our body, definitely have an impact on what I'm calling clarity. There is, in our training, we say it's a meditation practice, but I point to the sense of uh, maybe it's a practice of familiarization, familiarity, recognizing just that that moment of clear seeing that 
my experience of it is that it's a glimpse. There's a glimpse. It's not something that I see or experience and then I remain in it or I hang on to it. Um, I, I think again of that wonderful con that I like about everyday mind uh, that uh, Chao Zhou is saying to Namchan, then, and Namchan is saying, you know, the true way is everyday mind. Everyday mind is the true way. And then Namchan says, or Chao uh, Zhou says, then should I keep it? Should I, you know, grab it? And, uh, and Namchan very beautifully says, you know, and then he says, how can I understand it? And he said, you know, understanding is delusion and not understanding is blankness. He goes on and on to say, that's not the way. It's very direct, very direct. That's why I, I appreciate that particular koan so much because it's, it, it's wonderful specific instruction on how to, you might say, notice clarity or have the clarity to notice uh, and not attach to it, grab it, try and make it mine. Or, you know, there's that impulse of, um, wow, I had a really good meditation. I want to have that happen again. I want to, you know, or I'm, I'm really cooled out today. I'm just going to stay right here with this and not let it go. I'm sort of grasping. There's all these different ways that we cloud up uh, our, our clarity and might, might say contain it. It's natural to us. We're, we're born with clarity. Look at a baby. It's amazing. Look into the eyes of a baby. There's, there's clarity that's unhindered completely. It's incredible. There's no distraction. They're like completely with you, completely with you. You smile and they smile back. It's just, that's why it's so enlivening because we know we have that. We have that quality. We've kind of lost it along the way over the last, you know, 70 years in my case. <laughs> it does, it does fade. But, but this meditation practice, and I'm so grateful for the, you know, decades of practice I've had, uh, evoke that again, bring my attention to it, help me cultivate it, help me develop it more. Returning to that, you know, baby-like curiosity and openness that is our natural state, our state of presence before thinking before thinking. Well, I'm sure we could go on, but <laughs> thank, you so much. thank you for your, your wonderful questions. And uh, it's a delight having this one. And then tomorrow we're on to teachings are infinite.